Welcome to the podcast. We talk about all the things that are hidden in the shadows. This is Isaac, and on the second Paranormal Investigator Roundtable, I am joined by five uh, teams, or five individual members, and also a team. Um, I'll have them introduce themselves. And this is the second Paranormal Investigator Roundtable, um, and we do appreciate you guys checking and listening. I will go ahead and allow them to introduce themselves. Good. Yeah, uh, my name is Chris Plummer. My name is Haley Groskoff, uh, and just in general, we're Spencer County Spooky Squad. We're based out of Louisville, Kentucky, um, and thank you for having us on. We appreciate it. My name is Abby Robinson. And Thomas Robinson. Uh, hi, my name is Kelly. Uh, most people know me as the Paranormal Housewife. I'm currently in Peoria, Illinois. And I'm a paranormal blogger, and my husband and I are also investigators. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Shelly. Uh, my group is called Ghost Hunters and Paranormal Experiences International. And I'm out of um, a small town um, close to Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I'm an intuitive medium, and I've been doing it for over 25 years. That's your cue, man. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, my name is Mike Del Foro. I'm with the team called War Party Paranormal. Uh, we cover the whole east coast of, of Florida and uh, growing. we got about uh, approximately 30 members on our team now, and I'm an investigator and, uh, and uh, content creator. Hi, I'm also Mike. Um, Mike Pazinski, I'm part of uh, Isaac's team, Shadow Walker Paranormal, out of uh, North Carolina on the East Coast. And I'm uh, host and uh, MC uh, Isaac's uh, from Hidden Shadows and part of Shadow Walker Paranormal along with Mike. So we kind of have an advantage over you guys since there's uh, technically <laughs> one full team in here. Um, I do appreciate you guys coming on. And the whole reason for this whole roundtable in the first place was the idea that since we started the podcast, we've made friends and associates with a lot of different people from our surrounding paranormal communities and paranormal investigators, psychics, mediums, and everyone involving any kind of thing that are technically hidden in the shadows. Um, But these roundtables, me and my Megan uh, decided to create in the first place was because we want to hear from like-minded individuals when it comes to investigating because me and my wife have been investigating for almost a year now with uh, Mike and uh, his wife, Megan, as well. Uh, funny enough, there's two Megans on our team, which just doesn't make it confusing at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we wanted to hear from other investigators and other people who have been in the paranormal community longer than us, or maybe not as long, but they have a like-minded sense of uh, um, mind when it comes to uh, the paranormal and spirits and, and how to work with and, and uh, encounter things that we must deal with. Um, but I guess one of the first topics uh, that I want to um, talk about um, is attachments um, and essentially attachments and how to protect yourself from them. And if you guys ever had an attachment or anything, follow you home and what do you do to prevent um, such things from following you home. Not everybody wants. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know we're going order again. <laughs> oh, it's just whoever shoots first. 
I'll uh, I'll talk, I guess, if uh, you don't mind. So, me personally, I, I'm very closed. I know you said you're sensitive and you have some some abilities and things like that. Me, I'm very closed off. I'm all, all about the uh, the equipment and uh, things of that nature. I I do, you know, obviously I, I've seen some stuff. So I, I I have this little pendant I wear. I have uh, this bracelet I wear. Stuff that was given to me by. Uh, by a psychic medium um and she's given me some stuff that i keep in my pack and in my bag and in my car um but as far as like and our end on our team we have we have a mixture of people we have uh investigators we have psychic mediums we have uh, a, a wide variety of people um so i know if i ever do get in trouble i have somebody to call i know somebody that can pick and cleanse the area and do those things we do do sage uh, cleansings and we have somebody on our team uh, do a cleansings after uh, uh, we encounter anything that we might believe is dark. Um, I haven't personally had any attachments um, or anything like that 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 ha I've run into yet. Um, it's one of the first questions anybody ever asked me when they find out I do what I do. Um, but right now, believe it or not, I was just on Zoom with my uh, one of my best friends, Joe, Joe Hunts Ghost. Uh, he's on our team as well. Um, and he is finding out that he has, uh, some sensitive properties and he's really struggling with it because he's having stuff, uh, go on at his home. He's picking up, uh, EVPs, uh, just listening to other EVPs. And he was telling me just before I got here that he shut, uh, Adobe edition off after he was listening to an EVP and he heard a voice come through when nothing was open on the, uh, just having the headphones on. So he's working with one of our. Uh, psychic mediums on the team on how to how to deal with it. So and that's how you know I I personally haven't had that experience, but I'm watching it with uh, my best friend right now. I myself I've never experienced an attachment, and I don't want to. I've actually removed a lot of attachments from many people, and usually what we do whenever we do investigations because we are all we are all mediums. Um, what we do is we smudge ourselves with white sage. Um, we also ground ourselves and we also protect ourselves with white light. And I also work with very high beings so that if we deal with any, um, I don't call them anything other than it's okay. Any of the darks because you don't want to give them any power and they feed off the power. So by calling them it's they're neutral. So that's what we call them. So whenever we run into anything like that, then I work with very high beings that help us with all that. Yeah. My approach is a little bit different. Um, I actually do have a spirit that is attached to a ring that I have, but he's a very protective spirit. Excuse me. Um, he, it was a ring that I got from my father and the spirit protected my father during the Vietnam war. And while my, father was a police officer and then when my dad gave me the ring he became protective over me so he does go on investigations with us and does interact with spirits showing them how to use the equipment but he also helps protect us to make sure nothing follows us back to our house so uh, as far as i, I kind of lean a little more towards like mike was saying where more like you know kind of cloaked in it, just 
focused more on like the equipment and the evidence and things like that. Mm-hmm. We've not really encountered anybody that we know personally is sensitive or has any form of like capabilities like that. Um, so it's not really been a, a big like portion of the investigations that we have done. Um, I mean, I would imagine we're open to it to the same extent that, you know, the paranormal world is. Mm-hmm. You consists just, of a large sum of that. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not as if we would just dis or dis, uh, what I'm looking for. Uh, disprove. Yeah. Disprove or, or remove ourselves from it. It's just something we've not had a lot of like experience with. Yeah. As far as attachments go, me personally, no. Yeah. Same uh, here. Um, the only thing that I can associate an attachment to myself with is, um, one of our earlier investigations in the year was, um, actually at a local library that we grew up going to. Um, and there is, um, a child spirit that resides there. And, um, I'm actually a preschool teacher, so I made, um, a connection while I was there with him and um, the following days after we came back to Louisville and I was going to work just in my house um, I was actually babysitting for a family um, that I've babysat for for a few years now um, I've never had anything happen in their home or um, felt like there was a presence with me um, that I didn't know of that I couldn't see. Um, but about three days after that investigation, um, some things started happening in the home, um, mainly based around children's toys. Um, like children's toys would continuously go off and it was always in the same room, same location of the house. And every time I would pass through the threshold of that room, the toys would stop. Um, And this happened two or three different times throughout the night. Um, That's the only um, experience I've ever had with what I believe was an attachment. Um, I don't think any of the rest of us. Well, that and it stopped too after you had kind of sat there and told that it had to go back. Yeah. um, Just to make myself feel better. I had never experienced anything like it or, known anybody to personally experience an attachment. So um, I just made sure to verbalize um, before I went to sleep that night that um, like it could not stay in my presence. It could not follow me. Um, That it needed to go back home. Yeah. Yeah, It needed to go back um, where it was from. um, And I addressed him as who I thought he was. Uh, So, yeah. That's the only experience of an attachment I've ever had, though. Yeah. And I feel like we've gotten a lot better since then, too, about saying before we leave investigations, yes. no, you cannot come home. You have to stay here. Um, and I know we've saged our house a few times after investigations, too, just to kind of clear anything out that might be hanging around. So. Yeah, I don't think we did that that day. Yeah, not that not day. That after day. that, <laughs> though, we did. <laughs> well, uh, welcome to the group, because... Um, that is considered a class of, um, mm-hmm. you know, having something follow you home or, or having an attachment. Um, they do it to uh, me a lot. Um, mm-hmm. 
and to the Megans a lot. So um, we do almost the same thing on our end. We do investigations, um, a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer to a lot of things. Um, my religion's not stuck in a box. It is mm-hmm. all religions as one, meaning something mm-hmm. higher than we can understand. Um, I like the comment um, that uh, Shelly made. Uh, we do use higher beings. Um, it, just so you can put a name on what they are, I call them angels. Uh, that would be the closest man's thinking to wrap itself around uh, what they are. We use higher beings as well in the white light to flush everything out to kind of protect ourselves. We use a lot of stones. Um, mm-hmm. I use a lot of uh, symbolism, um, kind of like, uh, you know, your medallions, your, your, your chains and things like that, your St. Christopher's um, uh, crucifixes, things like that. Uh, a big on Odin, um, uh, Archangel Michael, runes, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Um, and then uh, Isaac as well. We've been working um, on our... Uh, the way that we've been fitting in because we are kind of a new team together. Um, we are a little seasoned outside of each other, but we are becoming one team. And you guys know how that is. We got to feel each other out and, and learn things about each other. And then we're, so we're actually going on this journey together, which has been pretty cool. The reason why Mike says we have me and to explain why I never get attachments or anything like that, but we do get entities that like to come to our home and pick fights um, is mainly because of, and feel free to say, if you heard this ability before any of anybody, but we have classified it, at least that's been told to me is called a shadow walker. Hence the name for our paranormal team. My ability lies within my hands. And it's not in a sense of I can hear spirits or talk to them or anything like that. I can feel the energy of the dead, um, the EMF or electromagnetic energy that they produce in order to make uh, noise, to be there, to scratch you, to push, to move tables. Any of that energy that spirit would use to be in our plane, essentially, I can feel. But that's not but it's one of many parts of my ability. I can also take that energy away from them. I can strip them of the energy that they need to be here and basically turn them back into a blank mannequin back to the realm of wherever spirits come from and have they start all over again with uh, gaining that energy up in order to do something. Now, I've learned to differentiate um, good spirits from evil spirits by which hand charges and charging is a sensation that I call it that um, tells me that an entity is nearby. Um, the sensation feels like when your hands go numb, that tingling sensation, mm-hmm. um, almost like your hands are going to sleep. Um, mm-hmm. And it starts in the center of my palms and spreads out the closer I am to something or the stronger something is. Um, so left hand tells me that it's a human spirit, a good spirit person. Um, right hand tells me that it's a dark entity, uh, a demon or something of a darker nature. Um and I really only ever take entity off, off the plane if they're dark nature. I never like taking a person off just because it's a person trying to be there, trying to communicate, trying to talk. A darker entity is those are the ones that I always have problems with. And hence why we say we pick fights because I didn't have to give them a chance to do anything before I rip them off the plane, uh, which makes me a powerful weapon, essentially, in paranormal investigating because I have no fear when it goes to an investigation because anything that would cause problem to you in investigation, I can take away before they can do anything um 
we haven't really countered anything extremely bad, like high-level demons, but low-level demons and dark entities and even ancients secreted. Uh, what did you call it, Mike? Hoodoos. What were you saying? No, never mind. Uh, you call them hoodoos. Hoodoos, yes. Yeah. Hoodoo. Uh, we consider those uh, witch-created dark entities that uh, witches might use to create, to help conjure up and do their task or something like that. Those there's a little more tough, but I have classified spirits that I've taken off the plane into smoke and sand. Smoke is the sensation that I feel, how it feels, the, the thickness behind it, like smoke. It's, it's tangible. You can feel it, but it's easy to absorb. Sand, however, of course, feels coarse. You still run your fingers through it, but it's a little tougher to take. And those sand level entities cause me pain when I take them off the plane and stuff like that. Hence why I said in the beginning I will do my best to protect us from anything going on because I can feel if something is coming through one of your uh, cameras. And I've already felt something with my left hand uh, coming from Spooky Squad. So you have a person. There. I'm not saying there's anything. That, I'm saying you have a person. There. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't freak out. Don't freak out. <laughs> they were over at our house. Right you have a you have a you have a person, a, a human, a human spirit, somebody. Um, she so. did say that she had the attachment on the ring that was. Yeah, was that's what say. Yeah. I think it's the ring. It's the male on the ring. It's a more of a spirit guide, almost assigned to the bloodline in the family as a protector. Yeah, it'd be a yeah spirit guide. So y'all are sensing Al. Well, yeah, well, yeah I've been. I feel the whole they, time yeah. <laughs> you guys logged in. Like I've been, I've been hearing stuff in my left ear, and then my right ear's been ringing. And so, as soon as you guys tapped in, I could kind of tell where you were at and what is around you. Um. Which is kind of cool because I can get the lay of the land kind of thing. Anyway. How about you, ladies? Uh, do you guys feel anything? Shelly or with the group, you mean? Yeah. Okay, I, what I I'm getting for Kelly it definitely is a spirit guide. And I'm getting it's on your mother's side. I'm getting a grandmother. I'm seeing a, a, an elderly lady standing behind you. It's not associated with the ring, but she's also there too. Okay. Interesting. So we're getting more than one on your side. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes sense with my family because I was raised, uh, I'm Cherokee, so we were raised to have our ancestors and stuff around. So it's not unusual to be surrounded by family. Yeah. And, and by the way, the reason I bring up my ability, so when we talk about things later, it makes more sense when we say that we have nothing to worry about and stuff like that and how my ability works. Um, but better question is, I've told this to countless psychics, countless paranormal investigators and people in the paranormal, and they have never heard anything like this before. I haven't heard of it. So this is really cool. <laughs> I have a similar um, I experience similar things. They usually called clairsidians, which means that. You feel things. Um, this is a new ability that I've started picking up probably within the last six months where I can feel spirit around me all the time, like either pressure on my head or tingling, or I can feel them touch me. I can actually feel them when they actually walk right into my aura. 
it's weird. I never had that before because I'm clairvoyant. I can see them too, but this is a new thing where I feel them all the time. Yeah, we're we're in the awakening. So this year is the spiritual awakening year. Mm-hmm. This year is going to be when most people that have gifts are going to level up. Um, and those that don't have gifts are going to start being more spiritual and starting to feel things around them. Um, this is the, the change of when science and spirituality hopefully will come together. Um, and it, it's happening very quickly. Which, so you should see your gifts change. Yes. Which leads me into a next topic. Since not everyone here is psychic or even have ability and such like that. Um, and I, I get to get to get opinion from both sides. Um, I know we all have gear ranging from different things you might use from our phones to actual digital recorder and stuff like that. Um, maybe you can explain a little bit what kind of gear you use, but uh, a question I think I had for, for everyone in this, in this sense is that how is it you investigate using your senses or abilities versus using your equipment and which ones do you like using more to help you figure out who's here and how you can help the entity or entities in a location. Okay. Well, I could speak. Sorry. Go ahead, Kelly. Oh, no, it's okay. Okay. Um, I was going to say with my group, um, we're all mediums. The only equipment we bring in is a cell phone or a camera because I want them to use their abilities and everyone has different abilities, whether they're clairvoyant, whether they see, um, clairaudient, whether they hear, uh, clairsidians, whether they feel. Um, and we kind of go into a building as a group. So if people start picking up things, then we can usually tap into that. We can also elaborate on that too. So I don't want them to use a lot of equipment because it kind of takes away from them using their abilities. I know a lot of groups do, and that's fine. But my group, we just we use our abilities. So our group, um, we mostly use uh, equipment because we have a few psychic mediums and, and clairvoyance and things on the team, but not always. everybody's always present. And we're a very large team, and we do a yeah. lot of events. We do a lot of events. We do public events uh, where we do investigations with the public uh, to raise money for historical societies and things like that. Um, nice. But if we're doing a residential, mm-hmm. that's a totally different story, right? If we're if we're doing a residential, we'll have we'll keep them out of our chat. Uh, any of the anybody that's that's working the case with us that has abilities. We keep them completely out of the chat, keep them out of the history. They know nothing going in. And uh, we will usually have them walk the premises by themselves with us, the investigators that are using tools, uh, waiting outside. We let them do their thing. They'll come back out and they'll tell us what they felt and where. And then we will go investigate with our equipment in those areas. Perfect. Yeah, that's a good routine. Yeah, when we do it, we don't know any of the history of the places either, whether it's residential or buildings. We usually go in cold, and then usually there's um, people that work in the building or family members if it's a residential. Then we meet with them afterwards, and we tell them what we've picked up, and then they confirm for us. Validation? Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, sometimes some of the places we go, you you can't avoid knowing the history. Uh, 
But yeah. I, I'm the same way. I, I tried not to know any of the history going in. Then I'll do an investigation. Then I'll look into the history and see what what coincides. Yeah. Yeah, afterwards, for sure. I think for us, we tend to, depending on where we're going and what we're doing, um, just like Mike said, getting, you know, I, don't, I think it's really hard for us to go into a place without knowing. Yeah. <laughs> what's what the history behind the location is specifically just based on how like we're pretty fresh at doing this ourselves mm-hmm. and we have no no medium no clairvoyance on this team right yeah. so, so yeah. we we don't utilize emotion like going into it but whenever we go to a location if we feel something we'll kind of use that to like like if we hear something or feel something or you know see something mm-hmm. then we'll use that to kind of like gauge our line of questioning and like go into it and like utilize the tools that we have around that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But we do rely a lot more on the, the equipment side of things. We try to keep it as bare bones as possible. Mm-hmm. Audio recorder, camera equipment. Mm-hmm. I think the closest device we have to a, an actual like paranormal tool is a, uh, our spirit box and a REM pod, REM pod. Yeah. which the REM pod just is like a motion detector. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and I was gonna say too, senses wise too. Um, we typically, I feel like we've picked up a lot of smells, especially in places that we've been recently. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, cold spots that would mm-hmm. be like touch. Um, and then whenever he talks about the feelings too, um, the last place we went was the um, Whispers Estate, um, and there was a particular hallway that's associated with a portal and just kind of this general bad feeling of being in that hallway. Um, was something that we really kind of all picked up on too. So, and, and I know I said earlier that I wasn't sensitive, but I, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, uh, what I'm going to say is is that I have had a couple times where things were were very very active, where I started to feel a little, a little nauseous. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but, mm-hmm. but that's yeah. about the extent of things. Yeah, I. Well, I, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that I've had similar things. I don't consider myself a psychic or a medium or anything like that, but uh, I have had times where I felt spirits touch me or I get images of something in my head. And if I say something like the person who's giving us a tour guide, they're like, Oh yeah, that's associated with somebody like one place that we went to. I kept getting Henry the eighth in my head for some reason. And I was just like, does Henry have something to do with something and they go, Oh yeah, that was the old postmaster that worked here. I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, I don't consider myself a medium or a psychic. I just think I'm open to communication. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it is just going into it with, I mean, being the type of field that it is, being open to it mm-hmm. is probably the best thing. Like, I don't think we go into anything like immediately saying like, oh, we're, if we feel something weird or we smell something weird, that's, you know, that's, that's nothing. Yeah. But we, we also like to look at it as like, we try to bridge the gap between people who, I mean, me and me and Chris are fairly skeptical as far as like going into places. Um, we've had some crazy stuff happen that has questioned uh, some stuff, especially recently. <laughs> um but at the same time, we like to keep an open mind with like how we go about it, because, you know, if you go into it trying to not find anything, you're not going to find anything. If you go into it with an open mind and an open heart, you know, who knows what will come through and like talk to you or try to communicate. 
and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I don't know if you guys know, but everybody has some kind of ability. Yes. Um, whether or not you've learned to tap into your higher self or not. Um, so, I mean, there are people out there that say that they don't have any abilities, but every time they go somewhere, they can tell um, when something's wrong or, hey, this is not a good situation. They call it women's intuition. Um you know, they've put they've put names on it for years, um, but you can develop in our line of work that feel of the hair on the back of your neck's raising um, cold. Hey, I got a cold mm-hmm. spot. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you are able to be sensitive enough to feel what's around you. And that's what you guys are really doing. And I love the fact that you started off saying, well, you know, we don't have any psychics or nothing. And but every <laughs> but now we're saying I love to feel that because that means that just everybody is opening their mind up further than just being stuck in man's box. And mm-hmm. um, you know, hey, there is more out there. I've been there, you know, I'll attest to it. Um, everything, everything holy on it. There is something after this. This is just one of many. Um, and then I'm finding that out too. Like so <laughs> This is not the first time I've been here. This is not the first time a lot of us have been here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's repetitive cycles. We're all brought back. Um, we have things that we need to do and purposes we need to, um, you know, that we're why we're here. Um, and every time I think they change upon the balance of things. So everything needs a balance, good and light. So like as as life rolls on, there's more of us coming out now. Um, because you know, the light needs a little bit of help. The dark's taken over. Um, so everything has to have a balance and we get brought back because we help keep a balance. Um, I don't want to get too far into that. How about you, Isaac? Well, I mean, yeah, essentially the same thing when it comes to it, but, um, I never, we, well, we, uh, our team, Shadow Walker Paranormal is like, uh, Shelly's team. We're all uh, psychics we're all mediums we all have abilities my wife being uh, a very powerful one um mike said literally the most powerful he's met in a long time uh, when it comes to her abilities because she holds a lot of different ones i know most people have heard no claire warren claire audience claire all the different mm-hmm. clairs essentially um she technically holds amongst more things beyond that um getting messages all the time speaking to spirits and unable to go to grocery store sometimes because she can feel everyone's energy and it's, it's so mm-hmm. intense for her but she's learning to protect herself and stuff like that um yes. your megan also psychic but she also has a very strong connection to my megan um almost like twins because we call them the megans we call them the twins because it's funny because they can almost feel each other's energy and stuff like that um me they being feel the, the same they yeah. feel the same like <laughs> one's you, upset you the other one is too. one of them is in the room but you can't tell which one it is but um when it comes to equipment when we use in the field we really don't use much uh we kind of count on our abilities to get us here there and uh and i lose you can find them um by just feeling around because if i had a count my ability scientifically i guess i'm like a natural emf detector um i can feel when entities are around i can pinpoint where they are as i get closer and stuff like that um not only can i feel the emf i can absorb it and stuff like that so um i guess that's almost a scientific way to describe my ability but i can't hold equipment because i need both my hands in investigation so that kind of null avoids me from handling anything 
Um, well, I know I mean, that you get false positives too, Isaac. We both do. Yeah. So like if we if we go near a REM pod, we can control it. We can make it dance. We can make it light up. Um, That's what I was just going to ask you guys. Have you ever like held a K two meter and and set it off? Well, I was going to say the only because I know some. I don't know if everyone here believes me. Um, you, you believe what you want and stuff like that, and it's hard to people to believe. It's, it's yeah, it's hard for me to, to to prove this ability without me just, you know, there's no physical way I can prove it. So far, the only way that we found that I actually can physically prove it is if when I'm doing a pull of an entity, if you put a, a K2 meter or an EMF detector near my hand as I'm pulling, it will send it to green or red, depending on the, it's, it's, uh, the intensity yeah, of the spirit. That's what I was going to ask, because yeah. I've heard that, you know, the human body does put out. EMF, yeah. you know, yeah. very, very slight, you know, and and if you could be able to control that, that that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. And essentially, that's what he's doing, um, uh, and and he's come a long way with it too. Um, and you can, if you're close enough to him when he does a ground, what we call an aerial pull, which he's pulling a lot greater of an area. So, like in case we're like in a battlefield and we're trying to help people cross. Um, you know, and there's something holding the guys on the battlefield that's malicious. Um, mm-hmm. We can literally pull from the battlefield and pull the bad off so that we can get to the ones that want to cross. And then we come up and then, you know, the Megans help cross them over. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I'm calling in angels. So all they're doing is just guiding them into the light. Um, mm-hmm. and you can feel that. You can yeah. feel it. You can measure it. You can feel it. Um we have a lot of issues with equipment. Um, I can't take pictures with a camera no more. Uh, every time I take a picture, I'll get something in the picture. It's just, uh, it's like they are, they're photographic. They know that I can hear them. So they want to stand in front of me and I, I get orbs and all that. So it's kind of hard for me to disprove orbs from spirits and stuff like that, because I can see things in everything, which is kind of weird. But, um, uh, we do use cameras and, um, Necro, what is it? Necrophonic. Necrophonics um, in a ghost tube. Uh, like a ghost tube. Yeah, ghost tube um, and necrophonics. Uh, you know, videotape. We do a lot of videotaping or recording on cell phones and stuff like that. Um, but we use a lot of our abilities and we don't need to, like, um, hey, we need to set this up to go here. We go places and kind of like, hey, this is going to be cool. You might want to record this. Um, so, and then we can kind of hunt them out a little bit quicker than like having to make arrangements to go to an insane asylum or something like that. Like I, I can take you to places in the woods that I can guarantee you, if you don't think you're psychic, you're going to feel something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just those kind of things that we have been hunting here lately. Um, but there's going to be some residential stuff coming, um, something to do with some possessions, uh, and Which, stuff like um, that. When Mike was referring to the the ground uh, the pull, the area pull, is essentially I would put my hand uh, to the earth, um, and it has to be earth. It has to be ground. I have to feel the earth, essentially. And I touch, yeah, I become part of it. <laughs> but I set a pulse out, uh, like mentally, it's the best way I describe it, like a pulse kind of energates the entire area. And as far as I can see, as they say in your mind's eye, I can pull all that energy to me. Um, the most areas that I've done so far is an entire farm that I, I don't know, acreage, probably at 10 acres, probably you would say, Mike. 
I I think it was about fifteen. Okay, say fifteen. Um, I pulled entire buildings, entire houses, entire neighborhoods, and stuff like that to get everything at once. And it's not like I'm taking every spirit in the entire area. No, that's not work like that. I, I whatever hand is to the ground is what entities are being pulled. So left, I'd be pulling everybody. Right, I'd be pulling all dark things. Both hands would be essentially everyone. Um, so but, you don't want to do. You don't want to do that. That's kind of like uh, like Native Americans would would walk barefoot on purpose for the same reason, uh, for, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but funny enough, in Native American lore, we tried finding this ability, and they called it a spirit walker. Yeah, I feel spooky. Squad feels like they're left out. <laughs> <laughs> just, not our not our area of expertise yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um what new like he was saying possession cases and i guess that's the ultimate test for my ability is if i can weaken a demon in someone or if i can pull them out of a, of a, a demon out of somebody altogether um, we're yet to test to see how my ability works against something like that. But if it works the same way as entities outside of people, it should do the same as it'd be inside someone. Um, but yet we haven't yet to come across a case like that. So well, we don't know yet, but definitely we'll let everybody know when it does happen. Um, but you guys run into the same thing that we do sometimes that we feel that it's, it might not actually be, I don't even like saying the word, but, it might not be something that dark, but uh, if you were a jerk in life, you're a jerk in your afterlife. Yeah, and, yeah. and sometimes they can they can try to be tougher than they are because they know that you can't see them. Yeah, well, I call them schmeagles. I call them schmeagles because they remind me of the you know the little troll thing off of the Lord of the Ring. Yeah, so, so they remind me of a Schmeagle, and what they are is they're so unhappy that they become something that they're not, and then they try to they try to come off as something a lot bigger than they are, so they kind of flake away pretty quickly, um, and and that happens. We, we tend to see that a, a lot, you know, because then you know we'll be pretty stern with them. We don't do obviously don't do any provoking or anything like that. We're very uh, professional in the way that we, we handle stuff, but we'll be stern. And say, listen, we know who you are. We know that that's not, you know, you're, you're not that tough of a guy. Come on, let's let's you gotta chat. Have, let's you chat. Gotta stand exactly. your ground. Yeah. Stand yeah. your ground, exactly. Sure. Spooky Squad, your mic is mute. Yeah, I can see the little symbol on the, your picture. I know I saw the internet go out, and you guys disappeared for a second. Yeah, yeah, we <laughs> have blip. Yeah. <laughs> Like I said, this is, uh, this conversation is not going to go without technical difficulties. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and I would uh, say that we we have a lot of equipment. We use a lot of different equipment. Uh, being that uh, some of the guys on the team and some of the founders have been doing this for fifty years, um, you know, they've accumulated a lot of stuff, and we probably have every every piece of equipment that's that's out there yeah. between between us, you know. So we and and like we're doing an investigation coming up uh, Saturday. We're going back uh, to the Gold Coast Railroad Museum. It was an old naval base uh, that got blown down during a hurricane. Um, and it caught fire, and uh, we had some really crazy stuff going on there last time we were there. We're going back, so like we're going to go to a room where there's we know there's not going to be anybody in, and we're going to set up a laser grid, some full spectrum cams, 
We're going to put REM pods, cat balls, trigger trigger objects, and we're going to leave a recorder running, uh, you know, a voice-activated recorder, and we're just going to leave the room. And we're going to go do our thing somewhere else, and we'll, we'll grab the stuff and review it. Yeah, we used to do stuff like that when I, when I first started. Um, but the more and more I got into it, and the more I started using my abilities and, and note, you know, I didn't have, this is not something that's like I've had my whole life either. I'm learning them. Um, but I, I've passed away three, unfortunately, I passed away three times in the last four years. I'm having problems with stomach cancer and throat cancer. Um, so, you know, my smack in the head was death. Um, so I've been to the other side and I've met some things that, yeah, I, you, that you wouldn't be able to fathom and you probably wouldn't believe me if I told you. Um, but there is something there. And, you know, and I, I would just want to say to all of you guys, I appreciate everything you do for bringing that out to the public. Um, more people need to know that, hey, you know, if you don't take care of stuff, you're going to get stuck here. And then, you know, people like us are going to come put a camera in your face to make sure you're there. Um, <laughs> we uh, we need to start teaching everybody to, you know, let go of regret and, and, and not hold on to everything that's going to hold us here. So that we can move on to our next cycle and not get stuck here like some of them. Um, and that way, you know, I hate to say it, but I don't want us having a job forever. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that's the way I look at it. Yeah, no, I think that's a, 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 it's awesome to hear. And, and I think that's what uh, War Party does, too. Also, by holding live in, investigations where we're going to do uh, EVP recordings, we, we have... Uh, you know, right there and show it to the people. We'll let them interact. We'll let them ask questions. We'll, we'll do a lot of these things. And, and not only is it raising money for the historical society, the main goal is to help people and, and help people that have paranormal problems or what, that's how we get residential. So getting our name out there, meeting with people, you know, they might be skeptical just to, to look us up on, on Instagram or something and send us a oh, message yeah. and say something. But if they meet us in person and they say, oh, wow, these guys are really professional and they know what's up, I'm going to pull them to the side and say, hey, by the way, I got this going on in my house, and blah, blah, blah. you know, mm -hmm. and and also bringing awareness to people that there's 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 definitely a, there's an afterlife. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is us as investigators are always a main focus um, and different teams have their different perspectives of why they do investigations and stuff like that. I have, I've come to a uh, conclusion. There is basically almost three kinds of teams uh, of investigators that go on investigations. Um, those who call themselves ghost hunters essentially, and they're only out to gain um, publicity for their investigations, the evidence they catch, they want to post it on YouTube or any other place like that. I'm not saying doing so is wrong. I'm just saying that is their only purpose. They go to investigations. They disrespect spirits. They call out, uh, they do anything that could cause an attachment. Um, and that's their whole purpose is to get famous, to be the next ghost adventures to me, to be the next ghost hunters, to have that TV show or be popular on that level. And then there's second class of paranormal investigators, those who call themselves paranormal investigators and stuff like that. Um, those who are seeking to know knowledge of the afterlife. They want to go into an investigation and respect the spirits that are there because that's actual people, people you're speaking to. Um, that are just passed away. And sometimes they don't know they're dead. Uh, we know we, in the paranormal community, we come across two kinds of entities, those who know they're dead and those who don't know um, or residual and intelligence, as they say, um, when it comes to in, investigating. And then um, there's a third kind of team, which is, I would like to classify, not putting anyone under saying not so, but 
my team uh, essentially is we our only purpose is to go to a location and make it less haunted um, to help spirits cross over that need crossing over and get rid of the ones that are causing pain and torment to those that are mm-hmm. there. And that seems to be Shadow Walker Paranormal's main focus and purpose uh, is to basically make places less haunted, which is almost like putting a crosshair on our foreheads with other paranormal teams yeah. out there. Cause after mm-hmm. we go somewhere, you're not going to get a lot of evidence after we leave it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, believe me, there's some places you, you can't cleanse the entire world in, you know, in a single day. So, um, but it seems to be our main mission. And I, and Lorraine Warren said it best uh, that people have, when they go to, when they get robbed, they have the police to call when they're sick, they can go to the hospital, but people have no one to call when it comes to dealing with the paranormal. And that's what we're for. Uh, that's what investigators like us are for to help mm-hmm. people um, that are dealing with the paranormal and, and help them uh, either cross over or at least make a, a compromise with spirits and stuff like that. And also prove the existence of the paranormal. I agree. Mm-hmm. That seems but, to be the case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying which team is which you. I'm calling you guys out. Now, if you guys feel which one you are, which one you're not, it's <laughs> up to you. Um, but one question that I had, and it's kind of a little off topic, but I'll probably come back to this towards the end because I have a question that kind of resolves around what we just talked about, but I don't want to bring it out now. I kind of want to save it for the end. Um, does recreating uh, historical sites or historical landmarks like dressing up in historical attire, playing historical music or that evolved to the situation, say on the battlefield, you're wearing a uniform or you're firing gun music or even playing the music for that time uh, in any place and location. Do you find doing stuff like that actually helps spirits come out and speak to you? Uh, one of the teams that I was training before, they actually had somebody that would dress up in period clothing um, especially when we were doing like EVPs and she would just be going around in the background doing what would be normal for a person in that time period to be doing. And sometimes we'd get a spike, but a lot of times it would not really do much. They, they just kind of seemed confused because it wasn't always the most accurate period clothing. Well, the only thing I could put uh, put in there is my two cents is uh, that I do notice that trigger objects, like um, I wasn't there for this, but like just for instance, uh, they were dealing with uh, a spirit that he liked to drink, you know, so they took a whiskey bottle and uh, Tim on our team and, and took a EMF reader, took it apart and, and put it inside where the LEDs were hanging inside and wrapped it around them whiskey bottle and bring it there and as soon as he sat down he said you want to have come have a drink and and we noticed that like trigger objects like that will uh will sometimes if it's related mm-hmm. to that that spirit will will cause activity so i would say yes i feel that that it does mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree with that especially like trigger objects or um sounds even like if you can play a, a song that would have been popular or widely well known to whatever spirit you are trying to communicate with it's just might bring out more of a response yeah just making it comfortable especially if that um that person their energy 
if they are unaware that they have passed, it could trigger like, oh, this was my everyday life. This is what I was used to, mm-hmm. allowing them to feel more comfortable to show themselves to you. Yeah. And I know before we got together, um, whenever I went on an investigation before with another friend, um, we had played Etta James um, for a spirit that had liked Etta James and we got a lot more activity um, with that. And I think a lot of it is too, like you all said, the feeling comfortable, um, things that they knew before, um, and just trying to be as polite as possible, but still trying to, um, learn as much about them as possible too. Like they said, it's, it's like, I mean, they're people at the end of the day. It's, it's, we're trying to communicate. I mean, sometimes something darker or more sinister may come through, but at the end of the day, our goal is to mostly like communicate with people that have already passed or that they don't know and stuff like that. So setting, Mm -hmm. setting the tone, I think is a huge deal because if you go in, like you said, if you're like super arrogant and cocky and then you just like, they're not going to feel comfortable enough to, you know, continue about their normal routine Mm -hmm. or they're going to be completely turned off by the fact that, you know, you're some stranger in their house, but, Oh, it it doesn't matter because it's, you know, another day. One thing that we've realized that really helps us a lot in getting responses is if it's a place we've been to before, or someplace that we're able to get EVPs off the internet from other teams, mm-hmm. playing those over a speaker in that location almost always gets a response. So they can hear their own voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes yes. sense. Hear your own voice kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or they'll sit there and be like, that's not me. And we'll just be like, we've tested it out before. We've taken EVPs that we knew were not from that location just to see if it would trigger something else. Mm-hmm. And usually it's, we get a no. <laughs> But it's interesting the results you'll get. You, yeah. it, it's it usually works. We've done it a few times where we've played music. Um, mm-hmm. one specific location, it was a temple. Um, and the acoustics in this place is amazing. And they used to bring in folk singers on that, and they would actually record in the building. And this one time we went in there, I actually got the lady CD that recorded in there. I played it and the spirits were like, they just came out in droves. Yeah. Like it was amazing. Like they were dancing and singing and everything. It was great. Yeah. It was amazing. I know Mike and myself, um, cause we, we've gone to Crow Toy National Forest a couple of times. Um, and we find playing native American based music, um, especially to the Pacific tribes of the area, uh, attract them in. Um, and I know Mike has a uh, call that you usually uh, say to them. It's almost like a greeting, like a hello. And they, sometimes we hear it answered back. How's it go? Mike? Yeah, yeah there you go. Um, usually when he says that in the woods, a good yell, you can hear it come back from a good distance away sometimes. Um, sorry, what did you say? I didn't get that. I don't even know what it means. I was told by a spirit guide to say, hey, I, hey, I know. Okay. And we don't know exact tribe it's from. Um, I know it's very, very original. Yeah. yeah, it's very, very old. And, and the yeah. spirit guy it comes from, he's very, um, he's one of the ones that I haven't actually got to see or meet yet. He's the secret mm-hmm. one. You know what I mean? Like, I know he's there, but he doesn't want to communicate yet. I'm not, I'm not at that level of communicating with him yet. And but that would he, be super interesting to find out what that, what that means. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't run across it yet though. Um, so, you know, one of our biggest problems 
with some of our oldest religions, there's no written no documentation. documentation of this. Um, so where you're at, um, I'm getting seminal, Sim- seminal. Um, yeah. I don't know why, but I'm getting a very like yeah, I'm, uh, a I'm, I'm in South, I'm in South Florida, so absolutely. Okay, so you're you're right there in that, yeah. So like yeah, I mean, yeah. and see, I pick up on natives in the area a lot. They're a lot more inquisitive with me than. I mean, we have we have so many mounds, uh, burial mounds that are from 500 BC, and so much stuff around wow. that, and, and they're. They're hidden. They don't. They don't really let you know. Uh, they're they're from, everywhere. They're the ones that um, when they do, when when then when science actually starts to look into them, they're going to realize that we're like on our third go around on this earth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like this is not our first time. Uh, there are well, civilizations that we have not found that are going to blow science out of the water uh, mm-hmm. because they're a lot older than they even know. Uh, we are a lot older than we even know, and. And I, I keep getting this star child thing from like Aborigines and stuff. Like I, we're not, we're, <laughs> uh, I don't want to, I don't want to go any further with that because that's a rabbit hole. Let's not go down the rabbit <laughs> hole. <laughs> well, funny enough, I just, um, I guess what helps out investigations with, you know, historical essence and stuff like that is that um, me being uh, Mexican makes me half indigenous um, to the areas of Aztec and stuff like that. But I come to find out in when I'm 32 years old, I'm 34. Now my mother tells me, Oh, you're not hundred percent Mexican. And I go, what are you talking about? She says, you're about 90%. I'm like, then what's the other 10? She goes, Oh, native American. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? She says, your great grandfather, her grandfather was native American, a hundred percent. And my great grandmother was Spanish, which technically all Mexicans are half Spanish to begin with. But, um, yeah, and I found out that it's the uh, Chitao tribe um, that my great grandfather was uh, yeah. descended from, and that's that's very funny because earlier when you were telling me about your abilities with your hands and grounding to the earth, and the first thing I said was Native American with the no shoes. Yeah, you know, and yeah. I, I almost asked you your nationality, but I, I figured uh, we we wait and see. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean. <laughs> Uh, Mike's been on me about that for the last couple of weeks or so. So it's not, it's, it's funny that you bring that up because he was like automatically like, I've been telling him that for the last week or so. Um, <laughs> Got to ground yourself out. But yeah. Uh, and I find when we go to places that have their American um, entities, they seem to have a liking towards me. They, they, they recognize me uh, essentially as one of their own, um, not just because of my skin tone or anything like that, but I guess they sense oh, yeah. the native blood in me and stuff like that. <laughs> Um, I guess one of the other things I guess uh, continue to talk about essentially like that go into my notes here um, paranormal experiences now I know we all got our top stories and stuff like that but one of the things I guess I want to talk about in a sense like that is some of your top paranormal experiences like something that you, you come across that think to scare the crap out of you or literally go oh I this is real it broke your reality and something like that well, um, considering we're fairly new at this as a group, we've had a couple of experiences that range from, oh, that's interesting, to, like you just said, oh, that's that's a little different. <laughs> um, uh, specifically, um, our first investigation was, uh, I mean, being from the Louisville area, if you don't go to Waverly Hills, you're, what are you even doing? Uh, <laughs> so... 
which we're going back in November for uh, just a private overnight. So we're looking forward to that. But uh, we went and we had experiences with, we, we had um, not only stuff that we caught on audio, but also disembodied voices and disembodied footsteps. Like me and Chris were on the fourth floor um, on the West wing of the building. And as we were walking, just clear as day, he, he looked and turned to me. And he's just like, did you, do you hear like bootsteps behind us? I'm like, yeah. And then we turn around, there's nobody there. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And then we were all together in the room on the fourth floor, which is, I'm not sure how many of you all are familiar with um, the entities at Waverly, but there was a homeless man and his dog who was unfortunately pushed down the elevator shaft by some thugs who broke into the building one night. And we were in the room where he used to stay behind the elevator shaft. And all of us heard like a dog panting and we're in the middle of nowhere uh, in a abandoned tuberculosis hospital, four stories up. And we, in the room with us just hear like a panting dog and we caught that on audio as well, but we just heard it clear as day. Uh, And then most recently our investigation at the whispers estate in Southern Indiana uh, which highly recommend that's, <laughs> that was an awesome, awesome investigation. It was a great place to do it too. Cause it's such an old building and it has a lot of history. If you don't know about it, look it up. It's great. Um, but we had, like we said earlier, the, the really weird feeling on the hallway in the second floor, we got a lot of REM pod activity. We were actually sitting downstairs, um, in the, in the dining room, um, just eating a, a quick snack and stuff before we started investigating for the night. And we had set all of our equipment up beforehand. And as we're sitting there eating, we just go, do you guys hear that? And we're like, Holy crap, that's the REM pod going off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we, we go up the stairs and we would get about a quarter of the way up and it would stop. Then we would stop and it would start again. And then we got all the way up, to, you know, by the time we got to the top of the stairs, it had done this numerous times and it had stopped when we got to the top. And we ask, hey, if that was you, can you do that again? And not three or four seconds later, it just goes ballistic. Like it's going crazy. And so then we start talking to it. And uh, in that in that same like hallway area, there's a master bedroom at the end of it. And we were all sitting there asking questions. We had a laser grid set up. The REM pod was doing intermittent things throughout the night. We were trying to communicate. And as we're sitting there, uh, I think it was what, about two in the morning? Two thirty in the morning, something like that. We just hear in the room with us, <laughs> and that was. And it, it at first we all go, "Did, did you guys hear that?" And then, yeah. and did anybody like, knock? Yeah, did anybody <laughs> knock? Uh, and then we saw like the laser grid break, and we we're at the, like no more than a second after the the knocking. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only did we hear it, but we got it on camera, we got it on voice recorder, and it's like crazy loud. And throughout the re- the whole night, we had not heard anything like it because it was it was just like somebody was knocking on wood, right? Like us. yeah, directly next to us. Yeah. Uh, so that one shook us a little bit because being there for we were there what seven hours, seven or eight, right? seven or eight hours, and didn't hear anything similar to that. So yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. And I think I'll do mine short too. Um, whenever we went to Ross Opera House down in Cynthia, Kentucky, uh, it's an old historical opera house, but it's a functioning movie theater now. Um, so they were all down at the bottom towards the screen, setting up equipment and things down there. We were going to set a video camera up. Um, 
And then I was up at our little equipment table that was up by the snack barn, kind of out towards the exit. And there's a staircase that goes up to the second floor um, of seating. I heard the loudest footsteps of my life start coming down the stairs. And it was like a twilight zone moment because I've always believed in the paranormal. But if I didn't before then, I definitely would after then. (laughs) And it was one of those things where, you know, you get this thing in your head that you're like, oh, if it happens, I'm going to be like, so with it, I'm going to be like, guys, come up here. I'm like, let's go record. I completely froze, couldn't talk. I'm just like, guys, guys. (laughs) And then finally it stopped. I sat there for a minute and I turned around. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) So that was my best and freakiest thing that has happened to me yet. So, um, I haven't really had too many freaky things happen. Um, but I think the coolest thing that's ever happened to me was back when I was living in Japan. Um, me and one of my neighbors, uh, she was getting interested in the paranormal. So at three o'clock in the morning, one night we couldn't sleep. So we decided to go to this park and I had our ovulus with me and we're just walking around in the dark. And all of a sudden the ovulus starts saying Jackie, which is a family name for my dad. My dad passed away shortly after we had moved to Japan. And, uh, so I was sitting there, I was talking with the obelisk and it kept saying daughter and happy. So I FaceTimed my sister back in the States and the two of us were able to actually have a conversation with my dad through the obelisk. And that's, that's, oh, that's awesome. It, that's it was awesome. amazing. Uh, completely bawling the whole time, but it was really cool to have him visit and be able to share the moment with her clear on the other side of the world. Cause yeah. Awesome. She had been struggling really with cool. it. But then I also have Al who likes to play pranks and stuff. <laughs> uh, like one time we were at Ferry Plantation in Virginia Beach and I was there with the team that I was training, but I was kind of getting in the way of the investigation because sometimes he likes to hog the equipment. And so I was off in another part of the house again with the obelisk. And I had headphones in so that way it wouldn't interfere with their stuff. And all of a sudden he starts going, run, run, danger. And I look up and coming through a doorway was this black mass. Like, uh, I forgot your name. Uh, I completely freaked. And it's the only time I've ever screamed on a uh, investigation. It ended up being one of the team members. She had thrown a blanket over her. She just wanted to find a place to nap. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I would have freaked if Al had not been sitting there going, run, yeah. run, danger. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> y'all do, y'all, one of y'all do that to me, I'm going to just lose it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that became a rule now it, when I train. Yeah. Out. No black blankets, especially not thrown over you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I have a story. Um, we did an investigation. It's a little town. It's called Lucan. And they, I don't know if you guys ever heard of the Donleys. Um, the Donleys are an, were an Irish family um, that lived in Lucan. And how can I say it? Basically, the townspeople didn't like them. Okay, because they were different, but that's okay. But anyways, what it led to is basically the townspeople got it in their head that they didn't like the Donnelly. So instead of them actually um, 
going to the police or whatever, whatever, they decide to take the law into their own hands and they burnt their, burnt their house down with the Donnellys in the house. So they have this little museum, um, which is a replica of the house that we went to. When we went in there, I was picking up on a spirit of a little boy and I could see him. He was standing in the corner and he had a sister too. And they had on the shelf all these really old fashioned um, dinky toys, but even older than that, like little trucks and stuff like that made out of, I guess, metal. And I asked one of the ladies, I said, you know, this little boy, he wants to play with me spirit. I said, can we take one of them down? So she took it off the shelf and um, I couldn't kneel down because I was getting a knee operation shortly. But anyways, one of the other girls, she got on the floor and the little boy spirit was right beside her. And we actually have video of him actually moving the little truck as she's encouraging him, right? It's like, holy crap, like this is amazing, right? To get it on video. But it was really amazing. Like he was so excited and he was using so much energy for him to be able to move this physical object. It was amazing to see. It was like, oh my God, this is fabulous. It was really, really cool. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. And then we have another um, experience with the Aboriginals, but we went to this house. It was a residential house. This family was having a lot of issues and I went with my group and um, I think I wrote this on the one of the questions. Um, one of the previous owners actually committed suicide in the house. So the energy was very, very heavy. And there was a very negative spirit attached to the house. But when we went outside, I could actually see the Aboriginals. They had set up their teepees and everything else. They were um, There was a fire going. There was all kinds of Aboriginals on the land, right? So we're able eventually to get rid of this negative entity. But I said to the owner, because um, I didn't know ahead of time, like I said, we go in cold. I said, this house should not have been built here. This is built on sacred land. You're always going to have problems because the house shouldn't have been built here. And to this day, they're still having issues. Yeah, they will. They will. They'll continue having issues until they respect the land. Uh, That's the other issue that we're getting into. You know, we're becoming a concrete society. Um, you know, more and more houses are encroaching. We're not only taking wildlife, um, you know, we're, we're taking these sacred burial lands and, and, you know, in our area, a lot of graveyards are being desecrated yes. under banks underneath uh, the Bojangles, you know, things of that nature where they're just building on top of these things. And then they wonder why they get so much activity. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's yeah. where, that's where we want to try to help and stuff. Um, I would say my scariest moment, I've been privy to four exorcisms on the previous team I was on. Um, uh, And unfortunately, my wife being one of the exorcisms, um, Mm -hmm. it was a life-changing, life-altering event that if anybody were to experience that Mm -hmm. firsthand, um, you know, my wife is four foot eight, nine-ish, um, little bitty thing, weighs about 100 pounds. Um, I saw her pick up three grown men and toss them like rag dolls. Um, you know, the eyes turned white. The voice that was coming out was not hers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, more than once we saw black, uh, black puke come out of her that wasn't hers. That's not what she ate. That's not, it didn't wow. even, you know, it was, I would call it very close to ecto, ectoplasm. Um, about as close as you could probably get from it. And what it was doing is we were making what was in her, you know, 
it was making it sick. So it was making her sick. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that would be the most, uh, you know, the most evil thing I've come across were the four demons in those four situations. Um, and, and the hold that they had on the people and then the feel of when that goes away. Mm. Um, when you see, when you feel the angelic power, mm. um, that angelic light, uh, and that's the only way I can describe it because everybody calls them angels. They're bigger than angels. They're like you said, they're it's, you know what I mean? They're like, they're they're You can't describe them. Um, but when you feel that, um, that was definitely when I knew that I was doing what I was meant to do while I'm here. That's when I received my message. This is you. This is why you're here um, is to help people like this. This is why you've been brought back. Kind of like, hey, that's why we wouldn't let you go kind of thing. Like, you know, it's not your time. You got to do this before you leave. Mike Dill. Oh, boy. How do I top that? <laughs> I should have went first. Um, Sorry, I I, I I would say, man, there, there's so many. I, I we, we like I said, we investigate so often um, that we see so many things that I'm pretty numb to now. So I would say the 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 biggest one that sticks in my brain was probably one of the first real investigations I did with uh, my buddy Joe and. It, it just kind of played out like it wasn't really planned. Like we went to uh, the old jail in St. Augustine and uh, we, we just paid to kind of go in there. They saw that we knew what we were doing and we were capturing EVPs and stuff. And they said, you guys just stay. Um, and, and we stayed and investigated and we had the jail to ourselves. So in, in the warden's bedroom, we were getting a lot of activity and we got a crystal clear EVP that said, check the board. So I'm like, check the board. What does that mean? So one of the historians that uh, that worked there happened to walk up, and I said, hey, if I said to you, check the board, what would that mean? So she said, well, in the guard tower, there's a board of everybody that's been hung or hanged in this jail. So I went to we went to the board. It kind of led us to the board. And when we went to the board, we started reading off names. And we said, hey, could you set off one of the devices when we get to your name? And we started reading down names until we got to Tom White. And we had a couple of devices go bananas. So when I went downstairs, talked to the historian, I said, who's Tom White? And they said that, uh, yeah, he's he's somebody that we get a lot of. And uh, he's not happy. And uh, I guess he was he was tried for, for murder and, and hung, hanged. Uh, uh, for being associated with the crime where he, he wasn't the person that did it. But so he said that, uh, and that was just wild how like there was, it gets a little deeper than that, but I don't want to take up too much time, but just the series of events that led us through to show us his name yeah. was yeah. just, uh, it was wild. Um, yeah. And then one, one more quick one was uh, disembodied voices. That, that always uh, is, is amazing. When you can hear a voice that of, of a human being that you know you heard and you can capture on video, and there's no explanation for that, uh, mm-hmm. I, I've got a couple. But the clearest one was at the Southern Bell Museum. Uh, we were in there, and I, I couldn't see so well. I had my night vision camera, and I was walking, and my buddy Joe had a couple static cams set up. 
and I was walking just past the threshold of the door into another part of the building. And as soon as I crash across that threshold, you hear, Hey, where are you going? And I said, and I turned around, I said, Joe, he goes, no, that wasn't me. And we both got goosebumps, got, you know, pretty, pretty spooked. But uh, when we played back the footage, sure enough on the camera, uh, it's clear as day and you can see both of our reactions. And that was, that was pretty cool. Those are both awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I now you get to deal with positions, but I guarantee you're probably going to in the future. Uh, Mike being Mike and me being me. But um, one of the, I guess, something that broke reality for me that really like, because I've been dealing with the paranormal since I was a kid. Um, my ranch, my infamous ranch, um, if you've listened to the podcast, you hear me talk about it frequently, um, that everything and anything paranormal has happened, along with possibly seeing a cryptoid or hearing one, and also seeing aliens in the sky. But um, the thing that broke my reality for me uh, hadn't done anything to do with paranormal ghost wise. Um, I saw a gnome outside my house, a little tiny gnome, exactly how they describe it. And believe me, when I looked at it, I was trying to think of anything that it is besides what it, I'm looking at. And I'm like, it, I can remember seeing it made a shadow like it was all black because it was dark at the time. Peek around my my bush. Look at me. A little pointy hat. Um, and then I literally ran over there with a flashlight on my phone to see if it's there. And of course, it's gone. Um, but yeah, that really broke reality for me. You can say on that level. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Um, do, you, but, do you mind it? A little tripping. Yeah. You say, Mike? Uh, I was going to say, do you mind if I ask a, a question to everybody? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that most investigators that I've met had something break their reality, as you say it. Uh, when, when maybe when they were a child or somewhere along the way that kind of brought them more into this. Is that the case with, with everybody here? Mm-hmm. Um, I was just always raised. Uh, I don't even remember what my first experience was. It was just always from very young age. If you hear or see something, we were taught to acknowledge it and say hello. Um, because that was probably a family member coming to check on you. And so it paranormal was normal for me. It wasn't until like I got to high school because when I was in high school, ghost hunters, all that hadn't come out yet. That's when I started realizing what I experience and what me and my family do is not the norm for my peers. So after high school, that's when I started getting into paranormal investigating. I was actually fortunate enough to be able to um, be a part of a team that works with the Ryan Research Center in Durham, North Carolina. So they were able to teach me how to scientifically do things to not contaminate your own evidence and things of that nature. And so that's how I got into actual investigating, but I've always grown up around the paranormal. I, I grew up with activity in my household, um, my parents' house, um, as well as my grandparents. Um, they are directly beside each other on the same plot of land um, and grew up with similar activity in both households. Um, seeing stuff, hearing stuff walk around at night um, and always being a curious child, I would get up to look um, to see if it was my sister or one of my parents. And 
never would see who I thought it was, um, would see shadows, um, like dart across the hall or shadows in the corner of my room and I would blink and they would be gone. Um, and I was raised in a household to where no adult around me believed in the paranormal. Um, so I was always taught that it's your imagination, your, um, you know, you're a child, you, you have a crazy imagination. You must've been just seeing things. Um, but the older I got, I was still seeing these things and I knew what I was seeing. I knew what I was hearing. Um, I would know if like things had been moved. Um, so I started to grow an interest in the paranormal and, um, not really wanting answers for myself, just wanting or to prove anyone wrong, just to gain my knowledge of validation, I guess, that what I was seeing was real, um, even though figures around me, um, like parental figures, was telling me it's just your imagination. Um, I just wanted to grow that knowledge base for myself. And I think... Mine's a little different because I, I don't remember any, um, like, direct, like, seeing anything, hearing anything whenever I was a child. Um, but mine was more, like, old wives' tales based that things are, there's other forces at play with things. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever heard, like, drop a dish towel, you're going to have company, your hand itches, money's coming, things like that. Um, and just seeing those as a child that sometimes those things would occur. I'm like, maybe there's other things kind of at play here. And then my mom was always... Um, really into the paranormal and believing, um, things and thinking that there was also more out there than to what we normally see. Um, so that's initially kind of what got me started on it. And then I just continued to, I've, I want to know what all is out there. Um, and then kind of like what you all had said earlier, maybe later on down the road, um, if we do have any sort of ability or something like that, figure out how to help things, um, resolve or how to help things cross over. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's something we really kind of want to look into um, once we kind of get more of a grasp on things. I just want to say, I think it's interesting that uh, all of y'all believe in helping spirits cross over. Whereas I was always raised to believe that's not your role. They're just here visiting. And one of the things that I do is I help people learn how to live with spirits, kind of work as a mediator almost, um, trying to help the, the spirit be more comfortable in the environment, but also have the family be more comfortable in the environment as well, because it's their home as well. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, what it is, is they, you know, so they have free will, universal mm -hmm. law, free will, right? So some of them don't want to go, some of them are comfortable where they're at. And those are the ones that we need to respect and, and, and yes, teach people to coincide with them. Um, but we need to be very careful on just please be careful not to teach people to coincide with something they shouldn't be coinciding with because mm -hmm. they will, they will mislead you. Right. They will make you think that there's something they're not. Um, and you know, we don't want to, um, let them grow, um, a relationship with anything like that. Right. Um, now if they're open to it, then, you know, that's on, that's their free will. Right. So, um, I would say that, you know, that's their decision. Um, but 
I see where you're coming from. Um, just as long as like, you know, if you knew that it was a good thing, right. you know what I mean? You didn't have, yeah, a no, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to sit there and be like, no, you got to put up with this dark entity. It's I'm trying right. to find out why that spirit is so upset. I truly haven't come across anything that was like demonic yet in the 15 years that I've been an actual investigator. Um, so I haven't come across that yet, but most of the spirits that I found, they're just upset because they feel like somebody else is taking over their environment and changing everything that they want to say and what's going on. Yeah. What about you, War Party Mike? <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, no. I, I've, uh, I guess to answer my, my own question that i first started off with is yeah i i saw some some stuff when i was younger that really kind of freaked me out and uh i kind of blocked it out and just passed it off as as uh nothing you know just it was uh, a fictitious uh, thing or whatever but uh i was always like super interested in all paranormal stuff cryptics uh spirits uh everything aliens uh I definitely believe that there's something, something there and, and, and multiple aspects of things that we don't know about. I think some of it is BS, uh, but I do think that there is, is something going on that, that we need to get to the bottom of or bring light upon it. So other people and, and introduce it into as real science, you know, they kind of brush it off like it's not real science, but what's funny is, you know, my name is, uh, you know, on all my things is, Florida paranormal researcher. Uh, I do a lot of research. I dig in and, and I've gone through a lot of files and this whole freedom of information act was, was awesome because you yes. go right online and start reading some CIA documents about EVPs and uh, manipulating things in your mind and, and telekinesis and, and communicating and all these things that have been proven by the CIA in confidential declassified documents that are right there for you to read. So, yep. you know, it's the people that, that uh, want to find it are going to find it, but they're not going to put it out there. But like you said earlier, you know, we're in, uh, in a time of awakening, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. there is a lot of people and there's a lot of stuff that's going on that people, your everyday person uh, that starting to like say, you know, something's going on. I feel something like, mm-hmm. you know, and end with all this stuff with them declassifying a lot of the aerial phenomenons like that. Uh, I think they're kind of just waiting for the right time to, to, to the public can deal with it. Like right now, like, you know, they got you, you know, like I'm starting to go down a rabbit hole, uh, but, but, you know, I'm going to stop myself there cause I can keep going and talking, but uh, yeah, no, for sure. And, and uh, the comment on, on what she was talking about, what you were talking about, Mike is, yeah, I, I feel there's multiple different kinds of, of stuff going on. And it's hard to differentiate between uh, what is a person, what is a spirit, what is uh, energy. You know, for a person like myself, it's hard to figure, Mm. you know, to to tell. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, there's definitely stuff that's not not good and and doesn't doesn't need to be here. And there's some people I feel that are stuck here or or here for a reason because they have unfinished business. Or they're really attached to their home or really attached to something and they don't want to leave. Yep. And then I feel like there is people that are stuck here that need help, you know, that don't know how. They don't know how to, to cross over. Um, 
So I, I do. I feel like there's a mixture of a little bit of everything that we just talked about. Oh, yeah. And Shelly, have you always been a medium? Has that always been like since birth you've talked to spirits and that's why you got in investigations? I'm sorry, you're talking to me? Yeah, I was saying that. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I was too far away from the mic. Um, I was saying, have you always been a medium and is that why you got into investigations? My very first experience, I was eight years old and my grandfather had just passed away. And three days after his funeral, I got woken up in the middle of the night to him standing at the end of my bed, all dressed in white, big smile on his face. Didn't say nothing. I just remember being terrified, hiding under the covers because um, my background, I'm Irish on both sides and it's um, the ability runs on my mother's side of the family, but nobody talked about it because I was raised a Catholic. That was kind of taboo, right? So I didn't really know what was going on. So that really frightened me for the longest time. But then when I became a teenager, um, being around other people, we started talking, you know, we had similar interests started getting into it more. And then I was taught by three great teachers and basically just escalated from there. Yeah, I know uh, Mike's background when it comes to the paranormal, but um, Mike, would you tell everyone why you became an investigator? I think you kind of did in the beginning when you talked about that you find your purpose after you died. Well, I mean, you know, before I'd even, you know, got my smack in the back of the head, I was always the kid in catechism and Catholic school. Mm. Um, that was you you're <laughs> that's not true um or hey you know you're contradicting yourself um you know i i i was the one that <laughs> i got hit a lot in catholic school for some reason <laughs> um, you know what i mean i i always knew that there was more than just what they were telling me mm-hmm. um and and it was never just enough um and you know after my smack in the head and everything became clear you know, I realized that a lot of the tor- turmoil in my life was me actually ignoring um, what I was capable of, uh, ignoring my gifts, um, ignoring my path. Um, and, you know, it caused for a hard life for me. But, you know, ever since the awakening, um, you know, I don't I don't care about bills anymore. I don't I care about money. I'm, I'm way out of touch of duality right now. Um, which is amazing. It's nice to be able to say, I don't have to worry about those things. I am going through some health issues that helps, you know, pay some bills and stuff like that because I finally got disability and stuff. But um, I I think one of those things where I'm actually realizing that we are so much of a materialistic society. Mm -hmm. um, And once we realize that and realize that we need to get back in touch with the spirit side, Um, you know, we, people like us are not going to be uncommon. Um, you know, people that want to know about the paranormal and stuff back in my day, you didn't talk about it. Um, you would get hit for it. Um, it was a bad thing. You were a devil worshiper. You were, you know, back in my day, it was a bad stigma. Um, you know, you didn't mess with that kind of stuff because you, you know, if you didn't go to church, you know, fire, hell and brimstone. Um, but we, you know, the older I get, the more I realize that that was man's way of trying to keep us in line, um, to set us up, set up boundaries and rules. Um, and that our brains are so much better than that. Um, and even scientifically speaking, we only use a percentage of our ba- brain and it's a very small percentage. Um, you know, I'm trying to open up other connections and stuff. Um, uh, I always knew, but the, you know, me dying was the smack in the back of the head that said, you know, 
this is real. Like, get your life together. You know what I mean? Mike, do you mind if I uh, add something there real quick? Yes, sir. Um, you know, like like you said, like once you kind of had that awakening, uh, small material things were were not of an interest because you understand there's more coming. You know, there's more than just this. Um, and I think that's what uh, a lot of society is afraid of is, is people learning that and, and not, you know, consuming and, and, and where they could, you know, people can make the money and, and do this by, by making the society focus on material things and, and not get in touch with, with their spirituality and, and, that kind of thing but see that's also why i'm saying that i you know i get i'm being told and i get the feeling like we're you know we're losing the battle um we're losing the battle because we're becoming more and more of the society that we're becoming um and you know every time that's happened in the past uh for those that are in connect with you know being able to know the times and and the dimensions and stuff um, you know what they'll do? They'll, they'll just reset the clock again and we'll have to try again. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be the next coming, you know what I mean? Um, which the Bible said was the rapture. Um, you know, those, those things are said the way they were because you got to remember too that back then they didn't have the mental knowledge we do now. No, so if for you sure. Were to take, if you were to take one of us and go put us in that time period back then with our knowledge now, then what do you think the Bible would say? Um, and that's what I'm really like, you know, it, I'm not saying it's wrong. I, I don't think any religion's wrong. Spirituality is a good thing. Um, and if you need that box to get you to where you need to be spiritually, then yes, it is a good thing. Um, that's always why I call upon more than one religion. Um, but I think I'm going down a rabbit hole again. Um, <laughs> Get a rainy in. It's an easy yeah. field to do that in. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt Isaac. I felt come on, Mike. Yeah. Slow it down. Um, but yeah, that is my hope when it comes to us as paranormal investigators and the paranormal together in, in its sense is that I, I have a hope that science and scientific and scientific study, it, it takes paranormal seriously in a, in a realm and an idea that it can be studied, tested, and even viewed. Hell no, we know we probably technology can be created to actually view the paranormal through a camera lens or anything like that, make us more connected to the other side. And I think one of the mo- reasons that most scientists don't even try particularly trying to study the paranormal is because it can't be measured in a uh, controlled uh, environment. And which we try as paranormal investigators to explain to scientists is that you can't control an environment that is uncontrollable in that sense that mm-hmm. it's completely random. You're not going to get the yeah. same spirit every single time you go to a location. Sometimes they'll be there. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes you have a lot of activity. Sometimes you won't have any activity. It all depends on the situation and the environment of the location. But uh, I believe more technology that we are creating and using to measure the paranormal, um, like EMF detectors, um, different sorts of cameras, the full spectrum cameras, the SLS and different things like that, that prove the existence of the paranormal when it comes to that can be used technology wise to prove, like I said, the existence of the paranormal. Um, and, And that's my hope for the future is that, the paranormal gets taken seriously on the scientific level um, when it yes. comes to that. Um, and that would be a future thing. But one thing I forgot to say, because <laughs> we went on a tangent, like three or four of them, and yeah. I'm trying to get back to this <laughs> point. Um, <laughs> is that, 
Yeah. One of my most profound paranormal experiences, like I said, the gnome was the one that broke reality. Like, oh, crap, there's different things out there. But um, was recently, and it's actually uh, one of the locations that we're headed to again. But the first time we went to a location in the Croton first off a Pacific road, um, we found a, a road that wasn't connected to the main one. It was like it was hidden in the woods. Um, it might have been used for hunting. Uh, it kind of was just a dirt road. But um, it had other uh, Mike disagrees, but uh, it had um, old buildings <laughs> and old wood near it. Like maybe it was possibly built back in the early 1800s um, and stuff like that. But I digress from that. That's a whole different thing. But what the main thing is, is that at end of at the end of every night and every investigation that we do, I do a pull from the ground. So instead of taking entities from this point, that point here and there, I take the entire area and we do a prayer over the location to help prevent them from coming back. Um, but the last pull I did at this location, when I pulled everything and when it was minor intensity, but I don't know how far I reached out when I, cause I always get down on one knee and have my hand to the ground. And then when I, I basically came out and I, I looked up, I saw in the tree line and in North Carolina, where we live, um, the trees are very tall, about three stories tall uh, at the the tallest ones. And we saw, I did and Mike did, a um, orange red glow of light. And I kind of chalk it up to either a lantern or a torch, kind of how the light was reflecting on the tree lines. The thing is, though, the light was up near the top of the tree lines. It wasn't at ground level like someone carrying a lantern or a torch mm. to the woods. This was way up in the tree lines, maybe a foot underneath the top of the tree. And it was moving in a direction away from us. And me and Mike got closer, like, what is that? We kept running towards it. And we ended up getting back onto the road that we parked the cars at, and we find that it's gone. Um, and we couldn't figure out why. And Mike and Megan... Um, my Megan, my wife, Megan, um, chalked it up to it could have been an elemental, uh, a spirit of the woods um, yeah. that I might have a, a native spirit of the woods, like an actual ele- elemental or something like that, that I might have gained the attention of by doing the major pull. And hence why he showed up and like, oh, you want to see my light? You want to see me coming through? I notice you, you know, something like that. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, that was the most like. And amongst many that we've experienced so far, uh, profound paranormal experience that I've ever seen. Did, did it almost look like a, like, I'm not saying this is what it was, but did it look resemble like a, a Chinese lantern? Like, you know, where they float and you could see like a, like a fiery orange ish. No, it kind of, we just saw the light of it. Like if you can imagine seeing yeah, the reflection yeah. of light moving, like the source, we didn't see the source. We just saw the, the light it, it was giving off. It was a color like red orange. It made us think like a lantern or flame, like a torch. Because like like a port, like an old school torch, like where they wrap the rag around the stick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that orange glow going through the trees, yep, like yep, the, yep. Okay. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, that, well, that, was, uh, that was a little that. bit of backup for you, Isaac. Um, um, so the the area we're talking about is called Patsy's Pond. Um, one of the few locations of a freshwater source on the East Coast where we're at, um, because of all our rivers are brackish. They're not freshwater, so you can't drink the water out of them. Um, but uh, so this is one of the few uh, freshwater sources in our area that has been on maps since 1600. So like the oldest I've tracked this back is the 1600s. Um, so I'm feeling like, you know, this was 
Indian before it was anything else. And then after the Indians, of course, you know, we needed fresh water uh, when we were settling this area. So, I mean, that would be a Mecca of where everybody would need to be around or at least be able to get access to for water. Yeah. Which uh, we're going back out there again, what tomorrow? <laughs> uh, so we, yeah, so we get the, or, you know, it's tomorrow. Um, and you got to figure that out, but can I guess, right now? can we go right now? We can go right now. It's almost like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny enough. We've never, I know uh, you guys at uh, spooky squad and probably others as well, but I have never done an overnight investigation. Um, yet anyway uh i the latest i think we've ever been yeah. to location is probably midnight uh some places but i would like to be in a location when it hits the all witching hour but um yet yeah, we, to get to get that point we get time warps too yeah um i don't know if anybody else experiences that but like you'll be in a location and you'll you know it'll feel like you've been there for 30 minutes and you look at your watch and you've been there for three mm-hmm. yeah i call it a time shift or a time a time warp sounds like time slows down yes Yes, exactly. When yep. we were in Japan, I experienced that. We were actually in Akiyogahara Forest, uh, Suicide Forest. Yep. And, wow. and the path that we went down, it took us two hours to get to this location. Two of my husband's Marines decided they wanted to spend the night in the woods for a second night. Um, since I was sick, I had to leave before sundown because I couldn't stand being in 11 degree temperatures again. So me and my husband walked back to the car. It took us 15 minutes to get to the car from where we left them in the woods. That took us yep. two hours to get there. And we couldn't yep. figure out how that happened. Yep. That was at our location. location. Yeah. Yeah, this location that we're at is doing that. Like it takes forever to get in. And then if you like when we started following that light, um, you know, we ended up on the road in like 10 minutes. It took us almost three hours to get back there. It took the whole investigation to get back there. And then chasing this light thing that we were chasing took us like 10 minutes to get back to the road, which was like. <sighs> I kind of wonder if somebody was in both of our cases was just like, OK, you need to get out of here now. Yeah, like like <laughs> pushing <laughs> Yeah. We're leading you. Yeah. Well, we don't get, I mean, you know, yeah, I, I hate to say it, but after my whole death experience and stuff, I don't get scared no more. Um, I, I honestly, like I, I've gone into haunted houses and I know that they're standing there before I, they know that I'm there, you know what I mean? So I can feel that they're there now. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get jump scared no more, which is kind of, oh man. You know, and I used to enjoy that and it's Halloween and like, I don't, I don't fear things like that anymore. I, I don't know why, uh, but I'm the same way. I, I don't get startled. Like once in a while, if something uh, really intense happens, obviously I'll get like, I'll get like goosebumps or something, but yeah. I, I don't get, I don't get like that, that like startled. Like, like I don't get panicky, yeah. terrified or like get frozen in fear anymore. Like it, it's like, okay, I know you're there. What do you want? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh well, the same. But the, the the most thing that scared me the most when we were out in those woods was a uh, a branch that tickled my arm because I thought it was a spider web nest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> That's reasonable. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a fan of spiders. No. There was a big, big web with like a big spider, in it, and I saw it previously. Mm. And I we were walking, and just a little branch tickled my arm. I was like, ah, okay, no, it's just. <laughs> Just a branch. All right. All right, I'm good. I'm good. And my, my wife thought, "Did something grab you?" I'm like, no, it's a branch. I thought it was. She's laughing at me. But um, I guess one of my my uh, 
final questions in for everybody because um, going almost two hours here, which I know we could talk about the paranormal forever, and that's mm-hmm. the common thing. <laughs> but um, one of the main things now I talked about in the beginning about a couple of different paranormal teams when it comes to researching, investigating the paranormal. Um, but one thing that I guess as investigators, what is something we can do um, to bring back the ethics? of paranormal research and investigating, right? To bring it back to essentially what it was originally created for to help spirits cross over. Um, and I know that question it has variations of what you can mean to it, but essentially what can we do to bring the ethics back to paranormal research? Well, that's one of the things that I actually do with my blog is I talk about ethical ghost hunting and try and explain to people the things that I learned while being with the group that was with the Rhine Research Center about how you can make your investigations more scientific and help not contaminate your own evidence, but also get stronger evidence to show to skeptics when you do experience something, Uh, just having different equipment to help back up whatever you're experiencing, feeling, seeing things of that nature. And I also go through and I train teams and individuals. So that way we don't have a bunch of mini Zach Baggins going out and messing up stuff where we can go. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Poking, poking at stuff. (laughs) I I don't believe in provocation at all. And it pisses me off when I see people doing that. Um, So that's why I, I train teams. And that's why I got into the paranormal blogging was because I wanted to teach people how to do this better. Mm -hmm. So knowledge, knowledge. Yeah, to piggyback off of her a little bit, I definitely think it's communication between groups and education of yes, stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. this exactly is, is great, you know, just sharing knowledge, sharing experiences, and then that helps all parties involved, you know, educate mm-hmm. the masses more on what this is because, you know, then they have more to go on than just Zach Baggins on the TV. Mm-hmm. Right. And they understand more about what is, you know, possibly going on and how to interact. And, you know, if they would also like to investigate, you know, this is, you know, here are good ways to do it that you're not just, you know, running in and then shoving a camera in somebody's face. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A respectful way of trying to build those connections and have a form of contact with, um, a spirit just being respectful in that process and yeah. teaching the public how to do that correctly if they choose to yeah, yeah. just just open trustful or truthful and um in educational discourse like yeah. the scientific community interacts the same exact way and as yep. far as i'm concerned it's we're no different than the scientific community yeah. like we're trying to to bridge that gap between like people who have like you guys say have the spiritual connection side of it and also the people who look at it and go oh well that's just baloney but if we're open and honest about it with not only each other and we work together to build upon the science that it is just Mm -hmm. like we're doing tonight Mm -hmm. then at the end of the day every everyone is benefits yeah and i think a lot of it too is being truthful with your evidence going through because i know one of the biggest things we go through is double checking, triple checking, having multiple sets of eyes on everything to make sure there's Mm -hmm. no contamination, that it's um, not something that could be caused by like conditions in wherever we're um, 
at like something that we ran into was a, um, a pretty large loud air conditioner at one of the sites that we went to um, that we thought might've been causing some of the things. Um, but just doing your due diligence and checking your evidence and making sure that what you're presenting is truthful and factual. Um, because whenever you go out there and like in these shows, you're like, Oh, what's that noise? Like, what's that sound? And they're not double checking these things. And that just kind of discredits us. Yeah, um, yeah. and makes it harder for people to actually believe in it for the science that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think too, um, I'm not sure if it would go into ethics or not, but, um, something that we like to do too is, um, share evidence with other groups. Um, we're more so towards presenting things to prove that the paranormal are there instead of hoarding evidence for ourselves. Like you had mentioned earlier mm-hmm. with the paranormal, with the ghost hunters, where this is our evidence, we're going to present it as ours. We want the money. We want whatever um, we like to share and just kind of help build um, on research. Yeah. I mean, so. like we have a couple of people that we're super close friends with uh, me, and, me and my wife uh, that also do this. And anytime we catch something, we're like, Hey, check yeah. this out. Like, what do you think of this is? Yeah. Um, because like they may hear something completely different or mm-hmm. if, you know, we have, mm-hmm. uh, we present something to somebody and they go, well, that's really cool but did you hear this or did you see this? That kind of thing. And that's just like, Oh no. Cause it's, it's perspective. Yeah. Um, and the more eyes and the more ears and, and the more people you have working on something, the better and the more clear and the more um, losing the word, but concise. Yeah. Concise. Yeah. yeah. Everything becomes. And I like that question. Uh, uh, I think it's a, a really professional and uh, meaningful question. And, and I think that what we do, uh, you know, kind of as, as war party team, you know, and, and bringing it in and making sure that when we do our public events that we're very professional, we're very polite. Mm-hmm. Um, we show people the proper practice and, and we share a lot of our stuff on social media. And we also make sure that if we debunk it, uh, that we don't post it. You know, we won't post anything that we don't feel is is 100 legitimate uh even though sometimes you know at first you might get super excited that you capture something and it might be a little disappointing when you debunk it but we won't post it um and, and i think also the main thing is what you're doing here bringing people together talking putting this out in public and showing how our field really deals with things and uh and and not like what you see dramatized on on television and and stuff just to, like the other day i i saw uh actually i don't want to mention any names but a, a really popular and and somebody who was into the paranormal community for a long time and well-respected person do a spirit box section about gabby petito the the girl that's been missing and they just found her remains it's a live ongoing investigation right now and, and i mentioned to him i said i feel this is pretty disrespectful um her, her family's on social media and, and I think it's a little distasteful and they removed me from the group and uh, blocked me for that, for saying uh, that I feel this is a little disrespectful. And I said it very, very politely and it was just my opinion on it. But I, I think that if you see something like that, we should, you know, you know, say it, tell it how it is. Yeah. Yep. No, we, we definitely do need to speak up so that way people don't think that, that sort of thing is acceptable because we yeah. do need to respect the dead just as much as yes. we respect the living, if not more. 
Yes. Yeah. Because they were people I mean, once I, too, right? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean the 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 poor the poor girl was just uh, found. Uh, hasn't even the family hasn't even had time to cope with it, and and yeah. people are doing things like this to get clicks. And yeah. I, I just don't think it's right. Yeah. Bad timing. Shelly, Mike. What? Or Shelly? Um. Oh, oh, Mike. I know your opinion on it, but uh, Shelly, uh, what do you think would bring back ethics to paranormal investigating? Well, I think we kind of touched on a lot of it already, but I know with my group, I really um, emphasize to them to be very respectful to the spirits. Okay. Um, also, too, to be very respectful to the houses or the buildings that we go into. Um, Yeah, that's basically what we do. Like, we treat them how we would want to be treated. Even though they're spirits now, they were still people at one time. And I really, really emphasize that to my group. Like, like it drives me crazy with the paranormal groups on TV. Like you said, everybody has said, you know, where they go in and they really irritate the spirits. Or, you know, they do all this stupid stuff. And it just, I can just imagine what the spirits are probably thinking, right? Like, so we don't do any of that stuff. Some people do. That's fine. But I really emphasize to my group to be very respectful. Yeah. Mike? I keep getting EVPs. I keep getting EVPs. I hope I can't wait to go over the recording because I keep getting EVPs on my side. Well, there's been a couple you know, of the entire episode. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I actually heard, heard uh, I, I thought it might have been one of somebody's TV on in the background. No, we sometimes you hear the echo of us speaking through someone else's speakers. Um, whoever's right. talking, you might hear the echo of it. But um, I've been hearing different things from every area. Uh, it sounded <laughs> like someone said "enter a female" or something um, a while back. I think coming from uh, I want to say Spooky Squad um, somewhere. I think it was coming from your area because Lucy, if you look at the screens, I don't know how you guys have your zoom meeting set up but the yellow bar would be around whoever's speaking or you see the face that we're speaking mm. and i heard that like an enter or something like that on your um your your little screen so uh you might have a person there so <laughs> <laughs> so back to attachment question yeah <laughs> and and that's funny because in the beginning shelly did say she uh she thought there was a female presence yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I guarantee this is probably gonna be, and then we'll let everybody know what how much yeah. every piece yeah. of cut and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm interested to see yeah. what y'all get, especially coming from my end, because there's a we have a few objects here that have stuff attached to it. So, um, I do appreciate everybody coming on. I, I love the answers from everyone. Um. And everyone's uh, opinions and, and stuff when it comes to the paranormal investigating. Um, that's why I kind of want to put this together. And me and me and my wife Megan, we you know wanted to because, uh, like I said in the beginning, we've made so many uh, associations with different people from surrounding the paranormal, mm-hmm. and we kind of wanted to hear everyone's opinion at one time um, when it when it comes to this and hearing other people talk to each other. Maybe people have never met each other and never even thought about talking to other paranormal investigators and stuff like that. I know it's hard to you know, come across different paranormal investigators in, in places because sometimes they get territorial depending on where you live and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, which again, 
raise back to the point of bringing ethics back to the paranormal investigating, um, not being territorial in places like that and working with other paranormal teams and uh, anybody else in the, in the field. Um, but I, everything sums up in a sense that uh, people dead or alive are still people um, and helping them out to cross over. Cause sometimes, like I said, they don't know they're dead um, and they're lost or, or they're being held back by a darker entity yep. and being yep. bullied or almost entrapped. Um, and it's and the purpose I think of every investigator, paranormal investigator, especially when you do all in, in the investigation paranormal, um, is to bring this taboo subject into the light to mm-hmm. make it get taken seriously and yes. bringing ethics to the paranormal. Like I said, helps us do that because like we experience a lot of crazies in the paranormal community, and there's a lot of people that mm-hmm. just do it to get popular and gain views and get likes and basically do it for clout in a sense, essentially. Um, but I do appreciate you all coming on. Um, and I think we'll cut it off slowly there. Uh, I guess before we go, um, I'll start with um, uh, Shelly. Where can anybody find you? Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, Ghost Hunters Parent Experience International, and I'm also on Instagram, uh, the same title. I also have another group. It's called Spiritual and Parental Connections, um, where I'm on. I have a web page on Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. That is more spiritual based, like more like developing their spirituality and things like that. But we do the paranormal there too. It's kind of tied together <laughs> yeah spooky squad where can everybody find you um we are on facebook instagram and youtube and mm-hmm. tiktok yeah. we're working on a tiktok um uh, at spencer county spooky squad on all of them um after we do investigations about a week after we do um videos up on our youtube page going over all of our evidence um and things like that so yeah that's we do live streaming whenever we go over stuff and keep like an open discourse between yeah. the audience and us to just kind of, you know, answer questions that people may have and make this, you know, every, anybody can do this. It, it's, it just takes an open mind to go in and do it for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. War party, Mike, where can everybody find you? Uh, I'm mostly on Instagram, but I do uh, post to YouTube uh, quite often and I'm on all social media platforms, but you can find me at uh, FLA underscore uh, paranormal underscore underscore researcher. So Florida paranormal researcher, uh, mostly on Instagram. All right. And don't forget, don't forget War Party Paranormal on uh, on Facebook. Uh, we post all our upcoming events and uh, and stuff that we have going on. Hmm. And Kelly, where can everybody find you? Um, my blog is paranormalhousewife.com and you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Again, it's paranormal housewife and on Twitter, it's paranormal HW. And I also have a YouTube channel as well under paranormal housewife. Awesome. And Mike, where can everybody find you? Right here. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, um, so um i i do have uh, it's called angelic drum on uh facebook um instagram um 
and also Shadow Walker Paranormal, um, uh, of course, with Isaac up here. And as always, guys, you can check our social media, the Hidden in the Shadows podcast, uh, Instagram, Hidden in the Shah 6 on Twitter, Hidden in the Podcast 2 on TikTok. I didn't, I wasn't doing a Boston accent. That's how it's spelled. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or you, you can link to all our social medias at Hidden the Shadows podcast.com, where it's links to our social medias, uh, ways you can listen to the podcast, and also links to our merch store. Um, as again, once again, I do thank everyone for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you. This has been awesome. Yeah, it's been great. Yep. Thank you. And we'll catch your weirdos in the next one.